Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to episode 34 of Grant Writing Simplified. I am excited about this episode because it's part two in our nonprofit fundraising series. If you didn't catch last week, make sure you go back and listen to that later because I interviewed Jason Adkins and we talked about how to find first-time donors. He gave some fantastic tips on how to research and find the best fit donors and prospects for your nonprofit. It's kind of funny. I was thinking about this episode of what I wanted to share with you today, and I thought, oh, I'll just put together a couple of fundraising ideas, a couple tips, and get them going, just give them some ideas. I started making the list and ended up with over 50 ideas for nonprofit fundraisers. So here you go. You're getting quite the bonuses here. It ended up being so many, I decided to put them all together in a list that you can download so that way you can print it off Use it in your meetings, your brainstorming, your volunteer sessions, your fundraising committees to generate some ideas. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because I hear so many nonprofits trying to figure out how to raise funds, especially the new ones. They think they can get grants, but then they realize it won't work for them for one reason or another. Either they're not quite established yet, they don't have a solid funding base or a solid board, they're just not ready And if you are not sure about that, go back to episode six, where I talk about grant readiness and how to know when you're ready for grants and what you can do to get there if you're not quite ready yet. So even if you're not ready for grants, I don't want to leave you hanging. That's why I decided to put together this list. And a lot of these are ones that either I've worked with clients on that I've seen them implement or I've helped with, or we've kind of partnered with other organizations to put on these events and fundraisers. Typically, grants will not pay for fundraising, so you've got to get creative and find other ways to do it. And this is something that grant funders want to see, diverse sources of funding. They want to see that you've got a good, solid, consistent funding base and that you've got some skin in the game. They don't want to be your first dollar or your only dollar, so that's why it's important to come up with other ways to raise money as well. And more than just one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, just like the stock market. Don't sink all your money into one stock. Don't put all your nonprofits fundraising in one source. So make sure you've spread this out a little bit. And also some of these ideas are ones that I've been a volunteer or been involved in in some way from a different side of things. Either I was a board member or a parent volunteer, and it's been a lot of fun to see some of these come together. So these are some ideas that I've seen work well, depending on the type of nonprofit. Some of these won't be options if you're still under heavy COVID restrictions and social distancing, but some of these will. 
And hopefully we won't be under those restrictions forever, so you can be planning ahead to what you can do down the road, or maybe you can adapt them to something else. I know a lot of nonprofits have gone to virtual types of fundraisers instead of their traditional in-person, and that's worked well. People still want to support the cause. They still want to donate, and so it's really important to stay visible. If you want to download the full list of these ideas, you can go to teresahuff.com slash 34. You can grab that list and download that and use that as your team is planning these out. I've grouped these kind of into types of fundraising ideas. So the first group here is donations. And donations, as you know, could be a one-time gift or they can be recurring, meaning maybe you have a monthly option or a monthly sponsorship or auto pay on your website or something. Online donations, it's important to offer these in this day and age, so make sure your website is optimized for online donations, and you can even have a donate button on your Facebook page that links to your site. And if you are not sure what your website should include, go to episode 25, where I interview nonprofit Jenny, and she goes step-by-step through what a website should have, especially for a nonprofit, how to tell your story, how to have a call to action, how to have the donate button. She lays it all out there in that interview. So that's a great episode to reference. Crowdfunding is another option. I've helped with some of this and it worked well because people talked to their friends and family. They had set a goal It was a one-day event, and they were excited to share about it. They were excited to meet the goal, and because it was a personal ask, it was a family member or a friend that was asking them to donate to this cause, they were excited about giving, and they exceeded their goal. So that can be a great way to do that, especially with the online now. Board members can be a good source if you wanted to include that in your bylaws. And if you don't know what's in your bylaws, I suggest you go back and review those and just see what types of things are in there. Is there anything missing that should be there? Do that from time to time. But some bylaws include what's called a give and get policy, meaning board members, when they come on, are expected to either give or generate donations up to at least a certain minimum and to be involved in support in that way. Alumni can be another source. Either look around at your local schools or colleges at the alumni programs, or even alumni of your own program. Tap into previous program participants or current students or your program graduates. If they can't give themselves, see who do they know that they could pull in as supporters. Can they help you market and spread the word? Can they help you with testimonials and sharing their story and how your nonprofit helped them be successful? So consider that and how can you get creative in using those avenues? Another option is to charge for your services. I know of a mental health-related nonprofit that charges a fee for their services because that way they are able to pay the providers and cover some of the staff costs. Sometimes these are also on sliding scale fees, depending on how you've structured your program. Nonprofit daycares and such may be this way as well. When I worked with a nonprofit food pantry, they had a thrift store that funded the food pantry. It funded the basics of the food and the staff and all their overhead administrative expenses. So that was a really good operation. It was the only food pantry and the only thrift store in the area. And so it was widely known, widely used. A lot of people shopped there. A lot of people donated to it. 
And so then they also got donations for the food pantry as well, but they at least had their overhead expenses covered by the thrift store. Another category is to sell things. So look at what could you sell. Could you have auctions or could you have a silent auction or maybe a combination of the two or a virtual auction? How about a bake sale or selling t-shirts and water bottles and other gear? Have a big yard sale or a book sale? Maybe do a clothing swap and sell and sell entry tickets. How about a birthday fundraiser? I'm seeing these more and more where people will say, instead of buying me a gift for my birthday, would you consider making a donation to this cause? But instead of just saying the name of the cause, encourage them to share just a little bit about what that is. Maybe I don't recognize the name of the nonprofit, but if you tell me what it's about, who it helps and how, then I might be on board like, oh yeah, I love that kind of thing. Another category, and this is a big one, is to have events. Now, here's where it comes down to your time, supplies, manpower, what kind of expense. Some of these are very low cost. Some of them require a lot more. So depending on where you are in your growth and your finances and what you have to invest in this, then you know, you'll have to take that into account. These could be things like a 5K run or a 10K run or walk, a golf tournament, a talent show, a songwriting competition. I work with a nonprofit in Branson, Missouri, and that is kind of a music and entertainment hub. So once a year, they have a songwriting competition, and they're looking for kind of the new up-and-coming songwriters in the area. So that's a lot of fun. It draws a lot of attention, a lot of crowd, and some big sponsors. That's a great fundraiser. Many nonprofits have a big gala each year. Our local education foundation for the public schools, they have one, and they raise money that goes towards grants for classrooms. That evening, they also present Teacher of the Year awards and several other recognitions. So it's kind of a special evening, too, that really brings in a big crowd and a lot of supporters. Trivia nights can be a lot of fun. We went to one of these ones, and it really was a good time. We were at tables, and those were our teams, and it was just a fun evening. It was in conjunction with a dinner as well, and I believe even a silent auction on the side. So it was just really a neat combination and just kind of a fun, unique evening out. Banquets can be popular, which similar to a gala, but maybe a little different setup. When I was on a nonprofit board myself, we had a banquet each year and we would have however many tables it was, like say 50 tables, we would ask certain people to be table hosts and then those hosts were responsible for filling their table with guests. So they could invite family, friends, acquaintances, maybe business people that they work with, colleagues, whatever, and try to fill their table. That way, our small fundraising committee wasn't trying to get 400 people there. But if we could designate, you know, 30, 40 people to be table hosts, and then they could each invite eight people, then pretty soon we could have pretty close to a full house. When we first started doing that, it was a dinner, and it went well. We tried to really price it out and have a nice dinner, but really be cost conscious of that. But then over time, we changed it to a dessert banquet. So each of the table hosts, we asked if they would bring a dessert, and they were happy to, no problem at all. And then some of us, I think, had brought maybe two just to make sure we had plenty. We also had like coffee and tea on the side. 
we had the same results of the fundraising and the results from the banquet. Nobody minded that it was a dessert buffet instead of an actual dinner. They appreciated that we were saving money. They thought we were being good stewards of that. So that was a really good option for us. That may not work all the time for every organization, but just to kind of give you an idea of sometimes it's okay to change it up a little bit and try something different. Think about what kind of unique event can you offer. When I worked with a nonprofit daycare, they had a mother-son mud day where they had stations at the park and the moms and sons could go and play in the mud and do all kinds of messy stuff. It was a lot of fun. And they also had a Lego build day where they had tables and the moms and boys could build Legos together or even a father-daughter dance. Things like that, what can you do that's unique to a specific demographic? Now, this would make more sense if you work with kids or if that's kind of your target audience already in some regard. Another fundraiser I've been to that was a lot of fun was a murder mystery dinner theater. So they kind of incorporated the story throughout the evening as we were eating dinner. Like they served the first course and then we'd have a little introduction to it. And then when they brought the next course, a little more of the stories. It was kind of a funny story too. And it pulled in some of the audience now and then and little bits of it. A tour of homes can be a lot of fun, especially at Christmas time. If you can get a few homes that are willing to be a part of that and then you can sell tickets and then on the designated day, you can tour those homes and have refreshments at each one and see the Christmas lights if it's that time of year or in the spring, see the flowers or whatever, or the gardens, have a garden tour. Paint nights and things like that are a lot of fun activities that people can do and enjoy and pay a fee. And even I've heard of some of these type of things going virtual where they will have a kit ready to go or a cooking night and they will send the supplies ahead of time to where then you'll do it together virtually over Zoom. You could have a competition, like a cooking competition, a chili cook-off, a grilling competition. Get creative with that. Even an ice cream social, or say you're having an open house, or you want to open your animal shelter, and you could have an ice cream social kind of on the side with that as part of it. Kind of welcome them to see what you're doing. Educational events can work well if you're targeting the right demographic. Think summits, workshops, retreats, professional development seminars. You can sell tickets and have guest presenters ahead of time. And anymore, these can also be virtual or in-person or both. And then other kinds of events and things you could do would be, say, a book club or live online events or virtual classes. And these could be for kids or adults, like cooking, woodworking, painting, exercise classes. Think about what kinds of skills or activities you could do together. Depending on your resources, you could offer kids camps, like a summer camp, a day camp, or workshops, like a fun science camp, or some kind of exploration or scavenger hunt. Consider offering a parent's day out or a date night where parents can drop off their kids for a few hours. And you've got activities planned and food and well-supervised for the kids to hang out while the parents go out. I've also seen gift wrapping nights where there'll be a time frame and you can drop off your Christmas gifts and they will wrap those up for you and then have them ready for you to pick up at the end of the evening. You could offer skills clinics. So think about sports or partnering maybe with sports clubs 
or after-school programs or a boys and girls club? And what kinds of skills clinics could you offer, like soccer clinic, baseball, even just some kind of fitness? An obstacle course can be really popular, or you can offer tournaments like bowling, basketball, soccer, chess, card games, bunko, or even bingo. People love that kind of stuff. If you know a good photographer in the area that's willing to partner up with you either for a good discount or even donate their time, you could offer a photo shoot session. I would have it pretty specific as to what it's for. Like I heard of one just the other day that they offered business headshots for a certain amount. And I think it was in conjunction with another event that they were putting on. But for this fee over here on the side, you could get your business headshot done and have that updated. And it was handy. It was right there. People were dressed professionally anyway for this meeting that they were going to. So it was a great idea to just have that as a natural extension. You could have some type of family photo shoot, babies, holidays, like pictures with Santa or something like that. Along with one of these, you could have some kind of challenge or a matching challenge where if we can raise this much money, we have someone else willing to donate and match whatever we can raise. So those can work well to kind of motivate people to give up to that amount, especially if you have a way to monitor and see how close you're getting and kind of generate some buzz around it. Another option is to look at what kind of local partnerships are around you and see what you can do in conjunction with them and what would make sense for you. For example, I know of some nonprofits that work with a restaurant to donate a certain percentage of the proceeds of their sales that day to the nonprofit. The local grocery store sometimes will say, do you want to round up your total today? Maybe your total comes to $25.82, and they'll say, do you want to round up to $26.00? to support the local food harvest or whatever the nonprofit is that day. It can also be fun to partner with a local organization to offer a special event like a martial arts center. I've seen that done where the donations that day went to the local domestic violence shelter and they had a self-defense workshop. When they did that, it was online so we could watch it on Facebook Live and then all the donations supported the shelter. You could do the same type of thing with a warrior gym, a trampoline center, community center, a swimming pool, library. Get creative and look at what you have in your community that might be willing to partner up like that and support your cause. Look at local businesses that you could partner with for employee giving programs where they donate from their paycheck each month. Or when I was teaching in school, we would pay a dollar for casual Fridays and we got to wear jeans on Fridays. But get creative and find something that's relevant to your nonprofit. Don't just pick all the things and decide, hey, we're going to do all these. Look at what really makes the most sense for you. For example, when I worked with the nonprofit daycare, they had some really cool family-centered activities that were partly fundraisers, but partly as a ministry to the community because we didn't have a lot of activities like that. So we had like the mother-son mud day that I had mentioned earlier. They had a family fun day at the park and just several different events that families could get involved with. And so then that allowed us to partner even more and to show that we were doing something good in the community and we could bring in other corporate sponsors. They had people print t-shirts, several different avenues, but that made sense for them and their audience and their mission. If you're an animal shelter, something like that might not make sense, but you could get really creative 
with your mission and, you know, incorporate some kind of open house or come have an animal meet and greet day or something like that. In fact, there's a local coffee shop that supports an animal shelter, but in part of the coffee shop, they have a cat lounge. Yes, you heard me right. It's a lounge where the cats can roam around and they are available for adoption. So you can pay a small fee to go in there and hang out with the cats for a little while, get to know them, see which ones you'd like to adopt, and then go over to the coffee shop side and you can buy your coffee, hang out, and then they also offer some of these other types of fun activities, but it all supports the nonprofit cause. So it's a really cool, unique way to get people's attention and to really hone in on the types of donors that are going to be supportive. That may not be for everybody, and that's okay, but you're really trying to target the ones that that cause really resonates with. We talked about that on last week's episode too, that you want to make sure what you're doing is a good fit for the people that you're asking to support you. Now, I know we have kind of flown through some ideas here, and I don't want you just running out and trying all of them at once, and I don't want you being overwhelmed and doing none of them because, I mean, that's a lot to think about. It's a lot to process. So here are some questions that you can consider before you start in on this. I want you to ask yourself some of these things. First, how does this fit into our larger fundraising plan? If you don't have one or you don't know what that is, book a strategy call with me ASAP. We need to get you going in that direction. So consider how this fits in with the other pieces that you're doing and what makes sense. Second, you need to ask how much do we need to raise? You need to have a goal and you need to look at what types of fundraisers are going to make sense to reach that goal. Would it make more sense to have one larger high dollar thing or several small ones to match them up together? What would make the most sense with that? Next, consider how much will this event cost us to put on? And cost, yeah, that's money, but that's also your time. What kind of staff and manpower? What kind of supplies? So really consider that. And do you have the resources to dedicate to that type of event? If you are brand new, then a big gala or banquet might not be a good idea for you right out of the gate. But something else smaller scale might be good just to kind of build up to that and then you can do that later. Unless you have a large network and good donations where you can really make that a big bang to introduce your nonprofit. So really think that through. Next, consider do we have the resources to pull this off right now? So maybe you do have the resources, but can you do it right now? What kind of time frame do you need to consider? Again, look at your time, what kind of money it's going to take, the staffing, any physical resources like your location. What do you have available? What kind of supplies is it going to take? Are you going to have to order things and have lead time? Do you have to reserve the venue? What all is it going to take to market and publicize? So think about that and what kind of resources you'll need to pull this off now and what kind of time frame. Then ask who is our target donor base and what's relevant to them. And finally, consider what makes sense for us right now. Always keep your mission in mind. Always go back to that and don't do anything that's outside of that or that twists that too much. What's the best fit with your mission and with your goals of where you want to go? If you haven't laid that out yet, it sounds like some strategic planning might be in order. 
So contact me and let's talk about that and see what you need to be working on. Now I have a couple of extra questions and these are especially for smaller communities. I've worked with a lot of nonprofits that are in smaller rural areas or just smaller towns, like even less than 20,000, some of them even 10,000 or less, or just a few hundred. So think about a few things that are unique to your situation. First, ask yourself, what can we offer that will fill a gap in local services or in local social opportunities? Like maybe there aren't a lot of kids programs or summer camps or parents stay out type of opportunities. So can you fill that gap? Does that make sense for your nonprofit? Next, ask what is relevant to our organization. So what's the best fit for you? And then look at what will help us drive visibility. You always want to consider that. And is this going to help not only build your visibility, but build your credibility and your trust in the community? You're building, just like with business marketing, you want to build the no like trust factor. You want to do the same thing with nonprofits to really build that reputation, not just with funders for grants down the road, but also with your donors and supporters and your volunteers. You want to always be considering that and make sure that you are building a good reputation. So that gives you <laughs> quite a few ideas. And remember, you can download this full list at teresahuff.com slash 34. The link is in the show notes. But if you are not sure where to start, book a strategy call and let's start there. Then we can map out from there some action steps for the next piece of where you need to go and where you need to focus. I know all of this can be overwhelming. That's why I'm trying to break this down for you, give you ideas to trigger some creativity and start you thinking again of what's possible even during the pandemic, but also after it's over when you can start doing events again, because now is the time to be planning that out. But if this is overwhelming, I am here to support you. I've got your back. So reach out and book a call and let's help you figure this out. I want to help you move forward faster and to use your resources in the best way possible to make the most impact that you can in your community. Keep up the good work, my friends. Your communities need you and your nonprofits need you. So keep working, go back to your mission and look at these ideas and see what is going to make the most sense for you right now. All right, my friends, thanks for listening today and have a great week. If you love this show and you learn something new about being the type of grant writer the world needs so you can create a ripple in your community, please go leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts today. Thanks for listening. Now go change your world.